What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three caribou hunters just trying to get in one last kill before the sun goes down. I'm Matt Johnson, and I wouldn't mind living in a remote Alaskan weather station. I'm Keith Baker, and I think everybody in Alaska is murderous due to a vitamin D deficiency. And I'm Austin Terry, and I don't know how anybody keeps their days straight during an Alaskan darkness season. Me neither. Like, I feel like not enough people talk about that outside of Alaska. Like, it's just dark. Forever. For months. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it, man. That's crazy. That's so depressing. <laughs> it's wild there hasn't been more, like, spooky stuff set there. I know, I know. Well, I guess we'll have to make it. But of course, in the meantime, on today's show, we're getting back into some more prestige content. My friends Austin and Keith have been quite literally yelling at and belittling me for the last week because I made them watch Echo. I liked it, but they actually attempted to assassinate me between last week and now. Luckily, the bullet missed, and we actually had a pretty good laugh about it, and are good friends again. We even thought about, you know, like returning some to something fun, like True Detective, which we're all pretty high on uh, in general, and would be a good way to move forward. So here we are. I'm so glad that we're buddies again. True Detective is back. It's somehow been five years since season three, the last season. And the fourth season has arrived with another great cast in tow and the subtitle Night Country. But before we get into that, how would you guys pass the time in the remote Alaskan wilderness? Whether you're in a station or not, it doesn't really matter. I think I would try to... I think I'd be okay in an Alaskan darkness season. I love like dark, stormy weather. Um, I like overcast days. So I think I could stick it out. I think I would just bundle it up in a coat and go about my life. I I think of all the people suited to live in an Alaskan darkness season, I I think I'm up at the top of that list. Hmm. Out of us three or just the general population? (laughs) Just the general population. (laughs) I'm I'm number one. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, there would be a lot of uh, heavy drinking involved for me. I think I, I would have that. to be. I, I also love to drink, so I'm perfect oh, for wow. it. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think I'd have to be at the local pub, just at the corner of the bar, just pounding away at some nice lagers, mm-hmm. um, just to get through I don't that. Think dark you want season. a lager in that type of weather? I think you want a dark beer. I think you want some stouts in you. Yeah, some stouts too. Yeah, whatever, whatever makes it easy. Whiskey. Definitely I don't know. makes it easy, he says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keith, I will say, I mean, because I did think about you. It, I won't spoil, obviously, this episode yet, but there is a scene without context where a, a character goes into a, like, I guess a liquor store to get stuff, but it says state controlled on the front. And whenever they walked out with like kind of packages, I got nervous for you. I mean, do you think with the state controlling your, lir- your liquor consumption, it, would that scare you? <laughs> I mean, it's probably good they do that because of the conditions. I guess people will overdo it. I um, mean, that's, that sounds like that's what you might do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just it's pounding probably best whiskey those, like it's water. Yeah, it's probably best those are in place for yeah. for me if I'm going to survive up there. And uh, Yeah, I, I'm kind of – I got to say, I mean, they showed off like a pretty dope-looking Alaskan like kind of like weather station here that I mentioned in my intro. and. I, I got to say the life in there looks kind of fun. <laughs> I think I I might be well suited for that where Austin is kind of out in the wild in the wilderness. He could survive there. Keith, I guess could barely survive in either indoor or outdoor, whereas I'm just I'm ready to go in the indoors. I'm ready to do that. The problem <laughs> though is I I guess I would have an important job to do uh while I'm there and that I don't know if I could contribute much to. Yeah, I don't know if you're qualified to discover the origins of life. Yeah, that's that's the tricky part. I just kind of wanted to watch uh, Ferris Bueller with the popcorn and beer that I saw, but I don't mm-hmm. know if that alone 
is a job. So maybe, you know what, I guess I want the thing to kill me as well. You know, I would be down for just kind of months on end in this darkness season, just locked in the weather station playing ping pong with you. That sounds that pretty fun. Pretty, that would be pretty fun. And Keith, we would want you there as well. I think I think oh, you could survive there. indoors as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, not a lot he'd of He'd have this... to be able to get up that mountain, though, and it sounds like he'd be too drunk. But yeah, unfortunately for Keith, there's not a lot of indoor activity in this show so far because True Detective Night Country is about uh, events that happen in Ennis, Alaska. A bunch of men that operate a research station just mysteriously vanish. And to solve the case, detectives Danvers and Navarro will have to confront the darkness in themselves and dig into the haunted truths that lie buried under that pesky eternal ice. And with that, let's go ahead and get into it. Austin and Keith, I know we talked about it a little bit on our 2024 movie and TV look ahead episode recently, but just like super quick, remind everybody about your thoughts on the previous True Detective seasons. And then, of course, what are your non-spoiler thoughts on the fourth season's premiere with True Detective Night Country? Yeah, I would say I'm a sneaky, big True Detective fan. Um, I've seen every single season and enjoyed every single season. I think I'm one of three people in the country that actually saw season two all the way through and ended it with, hey, I kind of like that. Um, and then the third season, I thought they were kind of like right back to their roots. Of, of course, with the first season, they knocked it out of the park and that was a smash hit for them. So when they announced the fourth season set in the darkness period of Alaska, I was like, hell yeah, I'm definitely on board. Um, and I think I'll keep my thoughts like pretty brief. I just got to say I love the premiere. I'm absolutely hooked. I can't wait uh, to see where this mystery goes. I think they nailed the setting. I think our two lead actresses as our main Detectives of Seasons are going to be fantastic, and I'm excited to see their dynamic unfold. Yeah. Um, I recently discovered since our Look Ahead episode, I think I might have misspoke in that episode saying that I had finished season three, when I, in fact, had no! not finished season three. I need to go back and finish season three. I remember I, I started it, and for some reason I did not finish it. Not because it wasn't good. I just don't, you know, whatever happened, and I did not get back to it. Um, but like Austin said... Season two is one of those that was tough to watch. I don't. I did not finish that one either. I think I watched maybe two or three episodes and just wasn't quite hooked on that. But season one, oh, love season one. I've rewatched it a couple times too. That's how much I love that 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 first season with McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson. They knocked it out of the park with that one. So going into this one, I'm very intrigued so far. I like the setting, this dark, wintry Alaskan. Uh, type place we were just joking about. I think Jodie Foster and um, uh, what's her name? Callie Reese. Callie. Yeah, Reese. I think Jodie Foster and Callie Reese are uh, gonna be a fun duo. I'm like not quite like I don't want to say I'm super hooked right away with their characters yet. I feel like this episode for me went by really quick. Uh, I, like it finished up and I was like, oh my god, I wanted I want more of this. Yeah, my quick thoughts I think kind of echo your guys's. Uh, sorry, I didn't want to traumatize you guys guys by saying echo. Uh, but the first season, uh, I loved... I mean, can you at least say so far this is better than Echo? <laughs> I think we can say that pretty confidently. Uh, yeah, the first season I thought was great, along with everybody else. Total surprise. Came out of nowhere. We knew it was a great cast, but still, to be one of like the, like the one of those like lasting shows, I don't think anybody ever predicted that, and it's, it's still great. Season two, it's funny. I still haven't finished it, which we talked about, but it wasn't because it was bad. I mean, what a cast, Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, Rachel McAdams, and Taylor Kitsch, a.k.a. John Carter from Mars. But it's like, I think it, a lot of people fell off of it just because it just wasn't as great <laughs> as season one. It was still good, just wasn't great. And so I fell off of it, too. I want to go back and watch that. But I love season three. I'm with Austin. That's where they kind of found their footing again for me. And season four, long wait for it. 
I don't think we ever thought we would get season four. Nick Pizzolatto, the creator of the show, this is the first one that he's not involved in. He is still executive producing, but he is not writing at all. He's not contributing kind of creatively in that way. Um, so, yeah, because of that, I don't think HBO wanted to do it. And then out of nowhere, here they are. They're doing it. Um, and I love this premiere. I'm with you guys. I think the setting is what I'm most excited about so far. They've nailed it. Our two true detectives, our lead actresses here have been fantastic so far. But I am still with Keith. It's like I'm not like I'm not super hooked yet, but I but I am at that point where I'm like just so excited to keep watching it and and like see this mystery unfold because the mystery, I guess I shouldn't spoil my thoughts, like kind of just like the general premise of the mystery yet. Um, but but there <sighs> there there's elements to the initial mystery in the premiere that made me think about the season one finale. If that makes sense, but I don't want to. I don't want to expound on that yet. But I'm very curious to talk about it. Yeah, there is certainly some supernatural elements that I'm finding intriguing, and and it seems like it's leaning more into the supernatural than historical seasons have. So I'm curious yeah. to see where that goes for yeah. sure. I don't think that's a major spoiler. Okay. Yeah, um, and go. then yeah. with the weather station deal, like Matt, you kind of teased the thing in your intro, but there is also that kind of like monster movie like aspect that's intriguing too. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, and then also like we've all touched on the setting enough now, I think, but at the base level, I'm excited to kind of learn what life is like in an Alaskan darkness season. Cause we've never kind of gotten that view in media. So, yeah, I think so. Um, like you said, Austin, I'm definitely excited to see what else is in store for that, the town in Alaska. Like you kind of see all the different uh, like age groups so far uh, in the first uh, episode and like like college kids, young kids, and then you have your your working working class adults, and they all seem to have like some sort some some issues going on. And we were kind of joking about like the depression that may go on in this time period. Um, it definitely seems to be uh, prevalent in in these characters so far. I mean, the stereotype and kind of trope with people who move to Alaska is is usually these are people who are getting away from something whether it's like a personal trauma or some sort of crime or like something along those lines like those are always the tropes and that's if you are into true crime like that's what why some gruesome murders happen in alaska is because it's kind of full of people who want to be off the grid so i think that's also going to play very naturally into the setting uh but there you go after last week where we were kind of mixed and down or maybe some sometimes hated what we were talking about which are still fun <laughs> episodes it's also super fun when we all agree that what we just watched was a great time so true detective night country gets kind of a glowing recommendation from us you know what and, and because this is an anthology series you know if you haven't watched your detective before i think you could just jump into this and then maybe go back to the previous seasons alternatively go check out the previous seasons if you haven't watched this if you've watched the previous season and kind of wrote this show off this is a great time to jump back in uh, so go check it out and come on back because the rest of this episode is going to be full on spoilers. And guys, I just want you to know, I really like it when you twist and shout. Hmm. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory for True Detective Night Country. Before we get into all our juicy thoughts, uh, guys, let's do some cast, crew, and critical reception talk. All right. So, as Matt mentioned, um, our showrunner for this season is Isa Lopez. Uh, this is her first kind of foray into the True Detective universe. Uh, the premiere was also written and directed by Isa Lopez, and she will also be directing all six episodes and will be joined by other writers for the rest of the season. Um, and our score for the show is composed by Vince Pope, with Billie Eilish doing the main theme. 
All right, going into our cast, we have Jody Foster as Chief Liz Danvers, Callie Reese as Trooper Evangeline Navarro, Fiona Shaw as Rose Aganow, Finn Bennett as Officer Pete Pryor, Isabella Starr LeBlanc as Leah Danvers, and we got John Hawks as Captain Hank Pryor. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? I'm going to give my highlight to Callie Reese as Trooper Evangeline Navarro. Um, I thought she was great. Um, and this is kind of her acting debut. Uh, she is a professional wrestler. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see her make that leap into a, a very serious show like this. Um, and I kind of bought everything that was beneath the surface there. You definitely buy that she gets very attached to her cases. She doesn't like the fact that she's been taken down a peg to her current role. Um, and she seems very ingratiated with a different portion of the community than maybe the rest of our um, police officers do that we will see from the likes of Jodie Foster and things like that. So I enjoyed everything about her and can't wait to further learn her character as, as the season goes on. Yeah, she really kind of stole the show from me in this first episode. Um, she kind of... Not to say Jodie Foster is bad, because I'm going to shout her out next here, but I think I was more interested in in Navarro than I was Danvers uh, by the end of the episode. Something about, like you said, Austin, um, like the way she was carrying herself with, yeah, being demoted, and then she kind of has like a kind of a rocky personal life, it seems like, too, in this small town. Uh, But yeah, I thought Kelly Reese played her really well. But I'll go ahead and just shout out an easy one, and that's Jodie Foster. I haven't seen Jodie Foster in anything in a long time. And um, I think she's great in this detective type role. Seems to be more. Uh, she seems to have that that background that I was kind of talking about earlier. As maybe she's not from Alaska originally. It seems like she yeah, might I think be. She's, based on her Viking sweatshirt, it seems like her character may be from Minnesota. Yeah, but yeah. She definitely yeah. moved here at some point. So yeah, I, I do. I am interested in her character from that standpoint. You know, I'm guessing she was in law enforcement and maybe. In, Minnesota or maybe some other parts of the United States and I want to know what brought her up to Alaska. I think the other interesting thing with Danvers specifically is in all of our other seasons the main detectives have just been detectives but she is the chief so she actually has authority and decision making ability in the station so I think that's going to be a new wrinkle for the season is she's not going to be she's not going to have someone that can kind of come in and like overrule her decisions. Like she is the ultimate decider in this environment. So I think that's going to be a fun kind of new environment that we haven't seen in our past true detective seasons. Yeah, I'm definitely with you guys. I mean, it's hard to not pick either of our two leads. I thought both were fantastic. I definitely, I think, I guess I'm with you both. I thought Callie Reese stole the show, at least in this premiere. Excited to see more from both of them. But I'm also with you that I'm liking the side character set up so far with, you know, John Hawks, who I love in everything. Kind of like you said, Keith, with Jodie Foster. I feel like I haven't seen John Hawks in anything in a long time. I don't know who Finn Bennett is, but playing his son, I think that could be an interesting dynamic. Um, so because I don't know enough about the side characters, I haven't seen like enough screen time from some of them, I think I'll just set out Isa Lopez because, you know, this is a singular vision right now. You know, she's the showrunner. She's directing all six episodes. She directed the premiere that we just watched. She wrote the premiere by herself. And she it looks like she has a writing credit on every single of the upcoming episodes. She has other people writing with her on those, but still it's like, this is a singular vision, which seems like they're continuing the trend from previous um, True Detective seasons. I think Nick, I mean, Nick Pizzolatto is involved very heavily in all of those. Um, So I'm glad they're continuing that trend. Yeah, the tone definitely stands out in this season. It feels the most supernatural and creepy of of all the seasons. Um, Not to say there haven't been creepy elements in in, in other seasons, but this one feels like it's going to be consistent throughout. Yeah. Um, And the other thing I'm loving, too, is we are kind of getting that 
season one dynamic of Woody Harrelson was kind of the more the seasoned detective and then McConaughey was the off-kilter detective. It seems like that dynamic is going to be back with uh, Danvers and Navarro. So I'm excited to see that play out as well. So you know what the three of us thought, but what is everybody else saying? True Detective Night Country, after its initial premiere, has received very positive reviews and currently has a 93% over on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus for this season is frighteningly atmospheric and anchored by Jodie Foster and Callie Reese's superb performances. Night Country is a fresh and frosty variation on True Detective's existential themes. The season has already had a lot of reviewers and uh, and viewers themselves in the audience uh, comparing directly to the first season, which we've talked about and just just a fun note, that first season, we talked about season three was five years ago. Did you know that season one aired just to the like two days like away to the day was ten years ago? Just to We're We're old men with that. Boys. Just to <laughs> we leave are old you with men. That. That's crazy. This was January fourteenth, twenty twenty four. Season one was January twelfth, twenty fourteen. Fresh wow. and frosty. Wow. Gotta love that pun. I guess uh, whoever wrote that consensus maybe had just come from Dairy Queen or something. I think so. I hated the the critical consensus of this one. <laughs> and that's the thing we always laugh about. It's like, well, wow. True Detective Night Country really serving up a Frosty the Snowman detective show. But that's not. it's not even that. It's just like, it's even simpler. It's just True Detective Night Country takes a very frosty theme and variation <laughs> on the classic formula you know and love. Like they just True throw Detective the, they just throw the word frosty in there. <laughs> Two Detective Night Country takes you to the cold of Alaska and delivers you some cold characters. There you go. See, now you're getting it. <laughs> All right. Well, Two Detective Night Country. There's snow. <laughs> that's, what that's, basically, that's what they're saying. There's snow in this one. Um, all right, guys. Well, with that, uh, let's go ahead and get a little bit deeper. Let's get into our freeform discussion, the main part of our show where each of us just throws in some random points, some things that we want to kind of spend more time on and get into full spoilers with. We're going to break it all down. So, guys, where should we start today? Yeah, we've touched on it quite a bit, uh, but let's let's dive a little more into the, the darkness season that we're going to be in for this show. Like I said at the beginning, I think it's fascinating that more media hasn't kind of taken this approach, especially for creepier or spookier stuff. Um, like, this is such a fascinating real life occurrence that we don't really know that much about. So what are your thoughts about kind of being in this darkness period uh, for this for the season? It's like it just adds to the creepiness of being remote. Like, OK, so you're already remote. It's already winter. It's cold as hell. There's not that many people um, you have anything that is any sort of like work related, whether it be this kind of weather station that we're dealing with in this in this uh, show or maybe if it's like an oil refinery everything is like a far drive or plane ride or boat ride away or maybe a hike or something like that away it's not easy to get to anything so that just yeah just the elements of alaska adds to the creepiness of this um it's just going to be there's gonna be so much more distance between everything it, it seems like rather than like the other seasons where you just get in a car and and drive to the the house for questioning or something like that so i mean yeah i think you nailed it with the isolation and the elements keith because i think that's going to be really fascinating to your point about how the actual detective work gets done whenever they do reveal that this scientist crew is stuck in the ice my, the first thought that came to my mind was they're only going to have a, a window of time they can actually work to get these people out of the ice because they themselves are going to be dealing with the elements potential like hypothermic conditions so everything is going to yeah. hampen how quickly they're um, how quickly they have the ability to do their jobs. Yeah, we'll see. And it also ties into the actual main detectives themselves. It's like, you know, you're talking about kind of the, the detective work dynamic, but it's also like, what's their dynamic going to be? Because 
not until the end of the episode does it seem like they even remotely want to work together. <laughs> and even then, it's still like, eh, I don't think we really like each other. So <laughs> I, I'm very curious. Like, Keith, you already talked about in the previous season. It's like, well, we got this lead. Let's go to this house and question that person. It's like, I feel, I feel like these people are going to be bickering even more than like people like McConaughey and, and Harrelson in the original seasons and stuff. So it's going to be very different and interesting, which I'm excited about. When it ties into the actual atmosphere and the setting itself, the thing that I've been liking so far, which totally tracks and makes sense, is like we, the audience, are like, dude, this is fucking creepy. I don't like this. Like the the intro was so perfect because yeah. with the, the, um, the guy about to shoot the caribou, and then the sun goes down. They establish this is the last day of full sunlight. The sun goes down. The caribou freak the fuck out. They leap to their death off a cliff like lemmings. And then that's when it goes dark finally. And then, th- then the show like kind of properly starts. And now we're fully in the dark. But what I loved about that is what a great transition. And then none of the characters really acknowledge it being dark is weird because why would they? Because they live here. But we, the yeah. audience, are like, I don't like this. I watched that intro. The other characters weren't present for that intro, so they didn't see that. But I'm creeped out, and now I'm watching these characters wander through the dark. They don't seem creeped out, but I'm creeped out. So now it's like a traditional horror movie where you're like, no, 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 don't go in there. (laughs) Like, we the audience, like, telling them not to do certain things. But they're like, no, this is just Alaska. This is how it is most of the year. Yeah, and adding on to the creepier elements, too, for some reason, just the line of the guy that is convulsing when he just says she's oh. awake in that intro, that has stuck with me throughout my entire day today. I can't get that line out of my head. And all I can think about is what did these people do? Like, why was there a female trapped in their facility and why are they concerned she's awake? That's what I'm I am so curious to find out of what happened. And then, of course, like the follow up yeah. later, whenever Jodie Foster's investigating and finds the whiteboard that just what does it say? Like, we are all dead. Basically, yeah, yeah. Just like, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm so curious about like the crew uh, as a yeah. whole because uh, I feel like I I felt like when I when I finished the episode, I was like, man, I feel like I didn't learn too much. I I know they showed as she's doing some of the, like the detective work because she's pulling up like their profiles and stuff. You see some of their names, but I, I still felt like I maybe missed something as far as like we'll get each one individually. Them, I yeah, I feel yeah. like they gave us a quick little intro, but. I would be shocked if we don't get more scenes with the crew. Um, yeah, but this is this has been a nice little setup here. We've we've been like kind of uh, tiptoeing around it, so let's fully talk about it. I mean, I really loved that this premiere episode was like, hey, you've probably seen another season of True Detective. Maybe you haven't. Doesn't really matter. This is the premiere episode. We are going to dive into supernatural elements right away. Uh, season three didn't really do that. They handled um, like mental health, hallucinations, like flashbacks, that kind of thing. Season two, again, I didn't finish it. But from what I understand, they didn't really dive too much into that. The clo- no, that one's more about power and corruption. Yeah. And I mentioned it in the non-spoiler. I mean, season one, you know, they like kind of spit uh, philosophical talk the whole time. But then we get to that season one finale whenever McConaughey and Harrelson are confronting the serial killer finally. And we do get like kind of like some aspects of supernatural with McConaughey's character like seeming like he's like witnessing something going on and I mentioned yeah. that in the non but that doesn't really matter my point is like this is a show that like has always kind of been like it's true detective like here are detectives going after serial killers that's kind of always been the idea and I'm liking that there seems to be an aspect of that here but right off the bat they're like well we are going to take 
supernatural and but we're gonna like fully go into that so that's quite a departure but it still feels like true detective which is why i liked it and maybe that's why they threw on uh the subtitle just to kind of differentiate it a little bit so let's talk about the supernatural stuff a little bit more what you guys think i think what i'm wondering is is it actual supernatural stuff happening or are they framing it that way maybe. just to kind of put us on edge um keith you mentioned the person in the in the field I think they kind of explain that at the end uh, when Rose says, you know, this person showed me and then they reveal she's dead. Like clearly that character is having visions, but that yeah. vision did also lead her to the body. And so it's that on its own is supernatural. So yeah, lots of weird stuff there. I, I, what I'm kind of still stuck on is there is something or someone still alive in that facility and moving around because they yeah. tease that when Jodie Foster's walking through and when the delivery guy's yes, walking through. That's true. So I want to know if, if what's going to come from that as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, when the delivery guy when the delivery guy goes in there, was yeah there was somebody that ran from like across the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was creepy. Yeah, and somebody cut that, that tongue out. Yeah, somebody cut the tongue out. And then going back to yeah. not to jump back too far, but going back to like the crew before all this shit goes down. You remember the one guy that was in the room and he was like drawing on the whiteboard and then the other guy goes in with the robe. Like, I think he's like holding like a coffee or something like yes. that. He's like, he's like, did you get new data? And he's like, no. And just stares at him. He's like, oh. And he just walks out just of the leaves. room. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Tons what are they studying shit. in there? Very nonchalant. <laughs> Whatever they're doing, I think it might be important that they don't really seem very bothered by it. So I'm curious how that might tie in. Well, I know they're, they do explain that they're taking ice samples and it, it seems like they're investigating the origins of life. So it, it's not surprising to me that if they're dig combing through all these ice samples that there wouldn't be new data. That didn't really yeah. stand out to me because I, I feel like there's a lot of ice cutouts to go Agreed, through. but this is a great transition because you saying that and, and kind of framing it when, you know, digging into the ice, the origins of life. Do you think, and I know this might sound like pretty simple, and we're going to get into theories, of course. Is it as simple as they found something in the ice, like an ancient thing that they shouldn't have? And this is like some evil that now awakens, like you know, the classic horror movie trope, and now that thing is killing everybody. Is it as simple as that, do you think? Is there going to be any element of that? But then why would they be so nonchalant? Like, we dug up an ancient thing. How crazy. Any new data? I'm in my robe. I'm like, nah, not yet. It's like, okay, I'm going to go drink a beer and watch Ferris Bueller. So, but yeah. <laughs> that was the I vibe think... that I got in this episode that they, that they dug something up that they weren't expecting. I didn't necessarily get that vibe. I, I kind of took their research as fully separate from the actual mystery. Yeah. Maybe, really, what maybe. I got in it, it goes back again to the She's Awake line. There was somebody in that facility that they thought was unconscious. Maybe, maybe That's it's someone I they mean. dug up. I thought the she but... was maybe like some ancient thing, but the, I know that sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. And that could be, it. I think the only reason why I'm not leaning there is because Navarro was so focused on her older case yeah, and she gravitates true. towards cases that pertain particular violence against women. So I, I think it, it's maybe even more grounded than that. And the fact that for whatever reason, these people had a, a woman in their facility, something happened to her. And then, you know, now we have six bodies in the ice. Yeah, because it ties into the Navarro. Why was the Navarro only got involved really because the tongue was cut out and like knew yeah. a lot about that. So why did that happen? And why is there seemingly a person still running around the facility? How does that pertain to her past case? I mean, the darkness season in Alaska is like perfect grounds for a serial killer to operate and <laughs> oh, hide yeah. and stay inconspicuous. So 
I think they they could still just do a grounded serial killer story, and it still yeah. would be very creepy just based on this setting. Yeah, and we're, but like you guys said, it, it also could just be the flip side where we are in this remote uh, land, and everybody's just kind of kind of like crazy. They're just like lonely, and they've been in the dark too long, and now they're just starting to see things. Um, so maybe that's it too. I mean, could there also be a theme tying back into the intro with um the deer or caribou? I don't know. I don't know the difference to be honest with you. Um, but you talk about that, Keith. Could it be the inverse where like they're afraid of the dark? Once they see the, yeah. the sun goes down, the dark's about to come. They literally kill themselves. So, yeah. I mean, it's called night country. There has to be something more to the dark itself that like you know breeds this evil. Now, is it like a grounded evil? Is it like a killer? Or is it something supernatural? Is it both? I don't know. But I think I think, I think think we're going to look back later on this intro and be like, hmm, I see what you were teasing. <laughs> I mean, just think of The Shining with cabin fever. Yep. And now take cabin fever and stick it into a place where the sun doesn't come up. They it's going to breed some crazy stuff out of it. I was trying to remember, Austin, uh, they did cite The Shining as the other influence. It was The Shining, uh, The Thing, and Alien. So you're not wrong. So <laughs> I think we might get some of that, too. <laughs> to jump into the characters a little bit, do you think if there is anything supernatural in this that maybe it could compromise our detectives in any sort of way? Like mm-hmm. um, like maybe, maybe Jodie Foster, Danvers... Or maybe Navarro kind of start going a little loopy. Like maybe there's, there's some, it's like some sort of like mind virus that happens out here. Well, it's a very good question. Um, I think maybe the the best place to start is with the. I thought a really interesting conversation with Navarro, and I can't remember was the guy she talked to the brother of the of the girl that got killed. Yeah, and he asks her if she believes in God. And she, like, surprises him by saying yes. So it's like, if that's kind of like a starting point, then if we kind of build off that and maybe you throw some supernatural stuff on there, you could, I could very easily see these characters, like, ideals being tested, which might be kind of a fun, different take for this type of show. Or at the base level, there could just be past trauma Oh, in yeah. their lives that they're still working through. Mm-hmm. It's a very quick scene, but whenever Danvers is walking into the accident, it flashes back and she's crunching on some ice and clearly there's something with her adopted daughter that happened. Um, and so that's probably going to become unearthed. There's a reason she left whatever she was doing and came to Alaska. I, I'm assuming she was escaping or trying to get away from something that happened. Um, so like, there could just be base trauma there impacting her character. They've already shown Navarro was a soldier and served and saw some pretty fucked up shit there. And then also gets very close and attached to her cases. So that could cause her to spiral. So I, I think for sure our, our detectives will be compromised in some way. Maybe it's not supernatural, but maybe it could just be trauma in their lives. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the characters so far? Uh, just to get more in depth, like with Danvers, um, you said it earlier, Austin, that she's the chief and so yeah like you said she she's kind of at the top of the hierarchy there as far as i guess detectives goes whereas in other seasons i mean that season one for example with mcconaughey and harrelson um you know they had overseers they had chiefs and lieutenants and stuff like that they that were constantly kind of on their asses i could you maybe see her character going in a way? I know it's only the first episode and it's kind of hard to tell. It seems like 
Danvers is going to be a good person and a hard worker and it's going to do her thing to solve this case, whatever it is. But do you maybe see her character using means um, that are outside the law maybe because it's such a, kind of a, such a lawless place? As we did see uh, Marty Hart and Russ Cole from season one do, they they definitely, you know, when they cross lines over Texas to go do what they had to do to, to find a certain uh, connection to a uh, possible suspect. I wonder if we're going to see a lot of that bending of the rules here uh, with her and maybe even Navarro too, since they're both kind of like on edge. I don't know if it's, I think it's fair to say that they will bend the rules, but I think they're going to have like Alaskan rules because they operate in such a different environment. I think they're just going to have their own ways of doing things, especially in this time of year when it's freezing cold all the time and dark all the time. I think they just are going to have different ways of doing things. And and maybe it wouldn't be accepted in name a town in the US, Los Angeles, but maybe it's okay in Alaska just because of the environment that they're operating in. And when it comes to kind of like crossing lines or Austin, you're talking about like the kind of the Alaska rules. I'm curious where, because we haven't really mentioned it yet, where does the indigenous characters kind of play into that? Like, do our characters, hmm... Do they get more access to them? Are those the ones that kind of fill us in on the potential supernatural goings on of things? But I don't know. Like that was that was something that like kind of stuck stuck out to me. Is like, how are the and how do they view yeah. their relationship with law enforcement? Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like I, it could be very hostile. I would feel like, but I also feel like you know over time it, it could be mended throughout episodes, and then they're the ones that kind of give us more clarity. Uh, especially tying back to the intro once again. Um, but yeah, that was something we hadn't, we hadn't really talked about, but it could be something potentially that becomes a much bigger part of this season going forward. So I'm curious how that will play out, too. Some could say it's a lot like the people of Tatooine and their relationship with the Tusken Raiders. I know. Yeah, it's very hard. Sometimes you're in your pod racer and you're just driving by and they shoot at you. And But then yeah. you're Boba Fett and you become best friends with them when you're an old man calling out of a Sarlacc pit. You know, there's <laughs> dynamics to that relationship. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, you have a, a point about symbolism in our doc here, and I guess I want to pose it to you because uh, you're usually the one that you're kind of our symbolism expert on the podcast. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you listed a, you listed a few out here with, and you've mentioned one with the caribou and, and the polar bear and, and things like that. So what are some of the symbolic things that stood out to you in this episode, and do you have any theories on what they may mean? So the one that initially stood out to me. I guess I can't even say initially. It was just like, I, I already said it, but it's like when I was watching the intro, I was like, that was really fucking scary. But then once the credit rolled, I was like, I already, I already mentioned it earlier, but I was like, okay, these care about these deer, they're scared of the darkness. So it's like the darkness falling down. There is like now, now that they're jumping off this cliff and the sun has gone down, uh, these killers, the supernatural, this evil can come to fruition and that kind of timed in Austin and Keith, we talked about like, she's awake. The guy's convulsing in the station that happened after the intro once like kind of the sun goes down. So there's definitely something there. Um, one that I'm still wrestling with. Well, actually, you know, what? I'll save that one. The one that seems like it's going to lead to more obvious stuff. We've talked about trauma, Navarro. We had the flashbacks as a soldier with Danvers where we haven't seen as much yet. Austin, you talked about the crushed ice and it's like, oh, what does that mean? But we did see her, if I recall briefly, like sleeping in bed and then a hand kind of comes over her. Yeah, that was weird. And to me, she calls that person out by name. I don't remember the name, 
but it seemed like a child. So if we're talking about yeah. trauma and a reason for Danvers to run away, to me, my initial thought was dead kid. She had a kid that died and maybe for whatever reason, her initial thought was to run away to a remote place. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But something I really wanted to pick your brains about because I didn't really think – it. I was actively watching it and then I had to – like five minutes pass and then I rewound because I was like, wait, did that really happen? Did I did I misread that? And it was maybe in the same scene when Navarro's sleeping and I think she wakes up after she has, um, I guess, potentially the kid wake her up, the kid that's not there. Um, and then she like pulls up this like polar bear doll. And it's like, what is this? Like, kind of like this dirty, like ugly doll. It only has one yeah, eye. A kid's toy. Yeah, but then we cut to like later or before I can remember like the order of it. But at some point in the episode, then we see Navarro driving down the road, and she stops because a like an actual polar bear walks in front of her car and then turns, and we see the polar bear has one eye. And I'm like, huh? Is this like trying yeah. to? show off the connection between these characters, why they might have to be forced together. Because after that, like Danvers randomly goes to the station like that she's already been to. And then like Navarro's already there. She's like, who the fuck's in here? And then Navarro just like walks out and like ran, like in clothes. It looks like that. She just like stumbled out of bed. Basically. <laughs> she's like, I had to come here. I don't know why. So it seems like this supernatural, this random force is almost like pushing them together. So is the supernatural force evil? Is it good? I don't know. But the polar bear one was the one that I felt had the most like meat to the bone in this episode, at least. Yeah, you're spot on. That's what I was thinking too. Um, I'm not even sure if it's supernatural pushing them together or just a creative way of showing the audience. These two have a shared thing that is going to drive them together for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. On the other hand, people not being together let's talk about the priors <laughs> uh, we got we got daddy prior and kid prior uh john hawks kid playing prior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> call me kid prior <laughs> <laughs> we got john hawks as uh hank prior and then finn bennett as peter prior what do you guys think about their relationship and then also the relationship com- uh, uh paired with uh jody foster at danvers because danvers kind of seemed to make kind of some smart ass like um, almost passive aggressive type comments to John Hawks' character while they were in the station, if you guys remember. Where yeah. I was like, hmm, I wonder if they kind of what's their tension about? And then obviously she asked um, uh, Peter prior to go to her dad's ha- or his dad's house and grab a I certain box so of evidence. Intense during that scene. I was like, what is this kid yeah. doing? <laughs> He's like, uh, it, it reminded me of like a shitty video game moment. It's just like, Okay, your objective is to go into the room. You have to steal the thing, but distract, distract the person. Uh, Dad, can you get me a hot dog? (laughs) (laughs) This does not work. The fact that he pulled (laughs) off this heist is uh, quite impressive, I guess I should say. (laughs) I have a feeling it's going to be revealed that our Mr. Captain Hank Pryor uh, is the former chief. And something happened, and he had to get demoted down, and now Danvers is in charge. That's why all the cases are at his house. Clearly, his life is not where it used to be. Um, he's alone. He's or- potentially ordering a bride from Russia. So I, th- I think there- there's something that yeah. happened with him to result in the state he's in today. And and then I think also just the environment again and, and the continuous darkness is probably playing into that, too. 
Yeah, at first it just felt like a, a nice kind of like push and pull dynamic where it's like he's down to work with Danvers, but they don't really get along. But I did like their back and forth. Um, but then by the end, he got a bit more hostile. And I was like, where is this going? Is this guy going to be more like a bad guy going forward? But that said, I did really like the Peter stuff. I, I was very interested in that dynamic when it came to Danvers. Um, it's always fun seeing like a rookie and just like an aged like detective cop type back and forth. And this was no different. But I did like that they gave us the extra little bit of like he goes home and his wife is there. And it seems like, why is Peter so invested? Like, is he trying to like rise up the ranks like through Danvers? Like, is he just like generally like wants to help her? Uh, but it seems like he's kind of throwing away aspects of his personal life to help. Um, but I think they showed that on purpose, which made me feel like we're going to get a lot more Peter in this season, which I, which I'm hopeful for. And I do feel like it, it might be going downhill as well if they continue like yeah. showing off his wife and he might be like, you know, throwing stuff away with his kid. So we'll see. But I'm glad you mentioned that, Keith, because I'm v we didn't get like too much of these characters, but these are characters that I'm very, very curious how they're going to play into the rest of the season. Or maybe he's trying yeah. to prove he's not the man his dad is right now. Very possible. Very possible. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, before we close out, let's just uh, do just that. Let's do some closing thoughts. Uh, we talked about theories already, but do you guys have any hopes for the rest of this season? I know it's kind of a very general thing to say, but I just wanted to kind of end on that note. I think I would just say keep it up. Like, keep this tone. Keep this intrigue. I With it being a six-episode season, I, I feel like it's going to be very tight, and there's not going to be an episode that lags. So I, I, I'm excited to see how they kind of use their time. Um, and, and like you said at the beginning, Matt, this does feel like a very cohesive, clear vision, and I just can't wait to watch it unfold. I, I'm, I'm also just so happy True Detective is back. Yeah. Like we touched on it, it did feel like the show was dead in the water, um, and, and now it's being revived in, in Night Country with uh, Frosty the Snowman. So yeah. can't wait. <laughs> Feeling frosty. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm happy it's back too. I, it definitely makes me want to go back and finish the other two seasons now, season two and season three, since season one's the only one I've watched all the way through. Um, as far as what I'm hoping, kind of just all the stuff we mentioned earlier, like I want to see what else plays out with this town and how they interact with being in the winter season in, in the dark period. Um, I want to see where our characters go, Danvers and uh, Navarro, and how their dynamic plays out. Um, and if they're able to get along and work together and same with the Hawks family, I want to see what happens there. Um, I, I hate to be negative, but I feel like something bad's going to happen to one of our main characters. I just, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling. It's possible. Um, yeah. And then other than that, I want to see what, what the station's all about. I mean, what are they studying exactly? And, and what was, uh, what was discovered that may be causing all of this havoc to go on? So, yeah, but like you said, also, I'm just looking forward to the momentum, uh, pushing it forward in whatever direction, I guess we want to see it play out towards the end. Yeah, I, I echo everything you guys just said. My two just extra things, as I would say, the final shot, you know, showed off like three bodies very close together, like scared and ice. So I'm curious about that specifically. It's like, what the hell happened there where it's like they died and we're frozen right next to each other in this. Like, and who had the time to like dig open the ice yeah, and put it in there? Exactly. So I'm curious about that. And of course, in addition to the station, but I'm like, how did that happen? So I'm. And I, how did somebody do this in the dark? Yeah. So you I'm can't see. I'm you can't see anything. 
<laughs> so I'm assuming these are people from the station, but I don't actually know. And then the other just quick little thing is like we got, you know, Fiona Shaw, who I love. I love her and everything. We saw her, we talked about her in Andor somewhat recently. Um, she is great. We got her briefly. Fight the Empire. Fuck the Empire. Uh, but then we also got Navarro's sister in a brief scene. And this isn't really necessarily a hope. It's just more of a curiosity. I'm very curious how much characters like this will play into the rest of the season. Like, is it going to be a big role? Will they just be like kind of like interesting recurring things? Like, I'm very curious about that. So I don't really have any like theories or thoughts on that. I'm just I hope we see more of them. But that's kind of all I got. I can't wait for the rest of this. Also, the Billy Eilish song, perfect for the opening credits. I got to say, it hit the True Detective. Yeah, it did. They're known for those intros, and dude, it, I was into it. <laughs> Were you guys upset that they stole it from Madam Web? Of course. I mean, Madam Web, I have actually gotten an early screening, too. I've watched the entire thing. Um, it is, what's the word? Would you guys say generation-defining film? <laughs> May, well, it could potentially be, but definitely not in a positive way. But guys, before we close out here, we got to do some Arnie's Podcast Awards. And this is the part of our show, before we close out, where we take something positive, negative, or something in between from a thing we just talked about and given an award. And guys, I'm going to start us off, which is a rare feat, because <laughs> I really enjoyed what happened whenever I started um, season four up here. I very meticulously pulled up HBO Max navigated down to like kind of the trending section, pulled up True Detective Night Country, and I hit play. And what happens? I'm kind of meandering through. I'm like, oh, this is some cool visual light. Oh, I'm very excited for this. And then Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson come up. I'm like, oh, no, I accidentally hit play <laughs> season one, episode one. And so I'm going to give a Secret Delight Award because it made me go, you know what? I just finished season four, episode one. I'm going to go back and watch <laughs> season one, True Detective. Watch all of that. Going to watch season two and watch season three. So and that making that mistake made me go, what a nice little delight. I got to rewatch all this. I hope you uh, come out of season two similar to where I am. I, I think it's pretty wait. good. I'm pretty excited. underrated. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give the... Ew, I didn't like that award. Oh. Um, and I'll just preface with, guys, I'm already not a fan of mayonnaise. So to have it described to me as syrup, ooh, ooh, I, I did like not that like either. that. I did not like that one bit. Ew. Yeah, she was like, "What is this?" She's like, "After twenty four hours, it gets runny or something like." Oh, yeah. I was like, "Ah, how?" Did you, I was like, "Why does she know that?" <laughs> detective. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's like detective. one of the most random facts for a detective to know. <laughs> Ew, I don't know about that. I'm gonna give the the unexpected cameo award. And that goes to Matthew Broderick. I never would have thought he would have been in a true detective playing Ferris Bueller. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, please share us with your friends. If you enjoyed this episode, we really would appreciate it so that we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. If you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast, or just help us out. At the Arnie's is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. And also, last week, uh, we talked about what probably will be the worst show of the year. Uh, we talked about <laughs> Echo. Uh, I don't think you need to go like watch it, but if you want to listen to us talk about it, I like maybe it. do that. Uh, it's pretty bad. You, probably, you could probably spend your time doing something else. <laughs> I'm an echo champion. Uh, lastly, we want to hear from you guys. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. 
What did you think of True Detective Night Country so far? Are you prepared for more existential, psychological, and mythological babble upcoming? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. We're excited for more True Detective Night Country, so stick along with us. Maybe we'll do an episode about the finale later on. Who the hell knows? Hope you have a great next week. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.